the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Friend, God's word was the vital force that turned the tide and ended the famine for good. God's word brought riches they did not have to offset the poverty that was theirs. God's word sent the enemy away in fear so that they could live in peace. God's word fed the people and all those around them who rejected it die of hunger. What made the difference was not the prophet, it was God's word. And that's what will make the difference in our lives too. That's Pastor Michael Oxentenko and this is Reaching Your Heart. Thanks for listening today. Here at Reaching Your Heart, we believe that God answers prayer. If you need prayer, you can call us at any time, 888-244-HOPE. That's 888-244-4673. Here is our pastor teacher, Michael Oxentenko, with Faith Matters. Today's Reaching Your Heart. So this notion that somehow life exists without the Word is foreign to the reality of the universe in which we live. So we don't need shallow philosopher kings. We need the depth of the Word of God in our life to know the grace of God, that God loves sinners. He died for them, and there's life in the name of the Son of God. So at this point, Elisha gives to the king the Word of God undiluted and plain. Look at 2 Kings 7, verse 1. But Elisha said, Hear the Word of the Lord. Thus says the Lord. Tomorrow about this time, a measure of fine meal shall be sold for a shekel and two measures of barley for a shekel at the gate of Samaria. The prophet's trying to say to the king that God's word will end the famine in a day. Now, friend, it doesn't take long for the living word of God in your life to change your life. If you're hungry for the truth, it doesn't take weeks, years, and months for God's truth to transform your life. God's word can end the famine in a day, a single day. Today is the day of God's salvation for you. Accepting his word can end the pain of emptiness, of hunger, of isolation. Because when you act upon the living word of God, you come alive. Your spiritual famine ends when you accept the plain presence of Christ in the Bible and you hold it to your heart as God's way to give you life. Spiritual inflation ends in a single day when God's word comes online and the soul believes in the riches of God's grace. One shekel is six to seven dollars. And food will be found, the prophet says, for six to seven dollars in the day God's word makes it happen. Now, it is a twisted kind of principle that when the word of God is proclaimed by a man of God, Satan moves on someone inside the kingdom to object. A conscientious objector to the word of God who claims to be a believer but who is really a soldier of unbelief can do a whole lot of harm in the church. In this case, it was the captain who cared for the king. Look at 2 Kings 7 verse 2. Then the captain on whose hand the king leaned said to the man of God, If the Lord himself should make windows in heaven, could this thing be? But he said, You shall see it with your own eyes, but you shall not eat of it. Notice the language of the captain who was a soldier of unbelief. A captain of faithlessness guarding an unfaithful king in a fearful, pessimistic kind of kingdom. 
the soldier of unbelief uses the subjective sense of the present active participle in Hebrew, mimicking the particle of uncertainty in the use of the Hebrew language here. That's a big fancy way of saying that the word if is implied in the Hebrew syntax. That is why most translations here insert the word if. It's not physically there, but it's implied in the Hebrew syntax because it is intended in how the words are constructed as a whole. It's implied in the Hebrew meaning that if should begin the sentence. That's how Satan tempted Christ with the same idea in the wilderness, but he was more explicit. If you are the Son of God, turn these stones into bread. If, 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 if. So the captain says if because he does not believe in the God who holds all the power of God in his hand. He does not believe in the prophet who represents him. And so he joins the idea of if to the Lord himself in his statement of unbelief. And he looks pious, but he's not. If the Lord himself should make windows in heaven, could this thing be? I've been in Sabbath school classes where people talk like this. And boy, is it bad stuff. We should be people of faith who cling to the word of God. He clearly was an unbeliever in leadership in Israel. He knew the story of the flood, and he didn't believe the story of the flood as real history. Maybe he got into theistic evolution a little bit, or deistic creationism or something. But he didn't believe the Bible, and thus the creation story. And so he didn't believe that the windows of the heavens were opened up at the flood. In Genesis 7:11, Moses said that God opened the windows of heaven and it rained. But this soldier of unbelief chose to ignore the sacred history of Moses, of creation and the flood, and thus the presence of God in his own life was ignored. You know, when you start treating the Bible that way, when you start talking about the Bible in that manner, it doesn't take long to when the Bible is irrelevant in your life. When the Bible is believed, and we don't second-guess creation and prophecy and all that, then you can trust it for the promises you need in your daily life. That's the problem with being a great thinker kind of cynic type. It doesn't work. For the soldier of unbelief, God was an unwanted chapter, an empty life that did not want the word of God to matter. So the captain ends by saying, could this thing be? Now God told Abraham and Sarah in Genesis eighteen fourteen, is anything too hard for the Lord? The book of Hebrews declares in Hebrews eleven six. take your Bibles and turn to there. And without faith, what does it say? It is impossible to please him. So we should be teaching our children faith, bold faith in God, not a doubting attitude. For whoever would draw near to God must believe that he what? That he exists. I'm sorry, atheism is not going to help you get answers from God. You need to put your faith in the fact that God exists and he exists for you. That he exists and he rewards those who seek him. Very clearly stated. The soldier of unbelief did not believe the word of God. And thus, because he did not believe the word of God, he did not believe in the Lord himself either. When a man or woman rejects God's word in their life, that man or woman rejects God in their life. Why? Because you cannot separate the word of God from the living God. If you reject God's word long enough, you ultimately reject life itself. Why? Because God's life comes to us in times of famine as the word of God. It falls like rain on parched ground. To live, we must accept God's word as truth in the Bible. In its pure, raw form by faith, or we will die. Isaiah 55, verse 10. Open your Bible and look at it. 
For as the rain and the snow come down from heaven and return not thither, but water the earth, making it bring forth and sprout, giving seed to the sower and bread to the eater, so shall my word be that goes forth from my mouth. It shall not return to me empty, but it shall do what? What does the text say? Accomplish that which I purpose and prosper in the thing for which I sent it. And I need prosperity in my life. I need the word of God to prosper. And so the soldier of unbelief said, I don't believe what you are saying, Elisha. He was really saying, I don't believe the Lord. We have been gifted in our church with the gift of prophecy, have we not? Haven't we? Now the Bible calls the spirit of prophecy the testimony of Jesus. And we hold our Bible in our hand, we have the spirit of prophecy. It's the testimony of Jesus. When I read Romans, it's not Paul speaking, it's Jesus speaking to me through Paul and Romans. Am I right? And when I read Matthew, it's not Matthew speaking to me, it's Jesus speaking to me through Matthew. When God raises up a prophet all the way to the end of time, according to the book of Revelation, that gift will be manifested in the remnant church at the end of time. When God speaks through that prophet. It's not the prophet speaking, it is the testimony of Jesus. Are you with me? It must agree with the Bible. It must fully agree with the Bible. But here's the point. If we disregard Christ speaking to us in life, guess what we do? We find ourselves on a slippery slope that leads us away from Jesus. So take your whole Bible, hold it tight, and don't shun the gifts of the Spirit in the church. 2 Kings 7, 3. Actually, a little bit further. Elisha told him plainly that you will see it with your eyes, but you will not eat of it. Tomorrow, he says, you're going to be a dead man. Look at verse 3. Now, there were four men who were lepers at the entrance to the gate, and they said to them one another, why do we sit till we die? If we say, let us enter the city, the famine is in the city, and we shall die there. And if we sit here, we die also. So now come, let us go over to the camp of the Syrians. If they spare our lives, we shall live. And if they kill us, we shall but die. That's pretty good reasoning, isn't it? You know, sit here is kind of fatal. Let's at least do something. We'll die in motion. These four lepers demonstrate something special here. They demonstrate the point that it is better to act without faith than to do nothing with faith. It's better to act and move and seek faith or find an answer than to just sit there and die. And when there is no food in the land, friend, it is better to hunt for that food even if you don't know where it's coming from. God can lead you to the answer. Look at verse 5. So they rose at twilight to go to the camp of the Syrians. But when they came to the edge of the camp of the Syrians, behold, there was no one there. So the leopards discovered that the enemy had fled away. They found nothing because God had sent an army you cannot see to scare the enemy away. Verse 6. For the Lord had made the army of the Syrians hear the sound of chariots and of horses, the sound of a great army, so that they said to one another, Behold, the king of Israel has hired against us the kings of the Hittites and the kings of Egypt to come up on us. Verse 7. It says they fled in the twilight. They left their tents, their horses, their asses, and they fled for their lives. They were running from an army you could not see. They fled from an army that could not be seen, and they left all their riches far behind. And they left other things too. They left their food, their wine, and all that they had to dine for anyone who found it. Verse 7 introduces the great flight and the mighty feast that followed the fleeing army. So they fled away in the twilight and forsook their tents, their horses, and their asses, leaving their camp as it was, and they fled for their lives. And when these lepers came to the edge of the camp, 
They went into a tent and ate and drank, and they carried off silver and gold and clothing and went off and hid themselves. And then they came back and entered another tent and carried off things from it and went and hid them. Now, you know what these lepers are? They're hoarders. You are listening to Reaching Your Heart. More with Pastor Michael Ox and Tanko in just a moment. A reminder, we are a listener-funded ministry. We do appreciate your support. If you can help us out with a financial contribution, here's the phone number, 888-244-HOPE. That's 888-244-4673. You can also find us on the web at reachingyourheart.com. Here he is, Pastor Mike, once again. You ever seen a hoarder? Yeah. Now, we all have collectibles in our house. I collect some things for the purpose of selling them. And it's fun to make a dollar off of something. But I've been in houses where there are magazines stacked to the wall and all around. There's just a little place for you to sit in a chair because there's nothing left. That's a hoarder. Okay, now look, they'd started to do that because they'd never seen this kind of wealth before. Man, they're rich lepers. Now, what are lepers going to do with money when you can't go into the city to buy and sell? Because you've been sent out because you're unclean. God has not placed the Christian church on earth to hide and hoard the blessings of God. Friend, we've been put here to seek out the treasure of heaven and to share it with others. When God blesses you in your life and you want to bless others with that blessing, then don't be surprised that God will give you more blessings. But if you don't want to bless others, don't be surprised if God takes it away. When a man or woman blessed of God realizes that they have been put here on earth to share those blessings with the needy, that man or woman finds a new life and a new reason for living. These lepers were outcasts because they had a disease that is just like sin itself. A disease that infects the life, that mars the life, and in time destroys the life. But these lepers made a choice to do what is right in spite of that fact. Even though they were outcasts, and that day they chose to benefit everyone with what they had. Because of sin, we are all lepers in the land. And we can learn from the good choices these lepers made. Look at verse 9. Then they said to one another, we are not doing right. This day is a day of good news. If we are silent and wait until the morning light, punishment will overtake us. Now therefore come, let us go and tell the king's household. The lepers made three faith choices that turned the tide of unbelief to end the famine in the city. Let's look at them very briefly. The first faith choice was the moral decision of choosing the right thing to do instead of the wrong thing to do. For many of us, when we begin our walk with Christ, just simply choosing the right, even if you don't feel like you have the power, is the first step in getting it right, making a solid moral choice. That's what they did. The second faith choice was the decision to share the good news with others, focusing on someone else rather than yourself. As Christians, we've been called to share the gospel with the world, haven't we? We're not meant to sit in our houses and not share it with our friends and neighbors. You're called to pray for those you know. You're called to find ways to give them literature, Christian literature, or to study the Bible. And if you don't know how, you can learn from us. And so we are to share the word of God. Pastors and preachers are no different. We are to take our time and share the word of God in our life walk. They said, this day is a day of good news. If we are silent and wait until the morning light, punishment will overtake us. You see, if we do not follow God's will in sharing the truth we have, we will be punished just like these lepers sensed. They recognize that moral decisions have moral consequences. So make the right decision to share the good news with others while you can. The third faith choice was the decision to gather and to go. 
When men and women share Christ, they are called to gather together in worship and community and then to go. We don't come to church just to have church. We come to church so we can share Christ. The leper said, now therefore come. That means gather. Let us go and tell the king's household. These lepers became ambassadors with a message of hope. And they found joy in the journey of sharing the good news. And the good news in the Greek New Testament is the word for the gospel. The gospel is the good news. We are all lepers. We live in a land of famine. But when we hear the good news, we can share it with others. Verse 10. So they came and called to the gatekeepers of the city and told them, We came to the camp of the Sumerians. And behold, there was no one to be seen or heard there. Nothing but the horses tied and the asses tied and the tents as they were. Then the gatekeepers called out and it was told within the king's household. Now you would expect the king to believe at this point. I mean, he's had enough evidence. Sure, he'll come online, be a believer. Nope, not at all. The miracle of God promised that day by the prophet Elisha materialized right there in front of his eyes. And he, with spectacles of unbelief, turned it into some cynical trick the enemy would use to kill them all. The king had surrendered faith in God for pessimism and fear. And thus he had no faith in himself or his kingdom either. The king had listened far too long to the soldier of unbelief at his side. And now he was a pessimistic king at the soldier's side following his lead, not even a leader. Verse 12, and the king rose in the night. Now why would he do that? The king rose in the night because he was scared of facing the enemy in the day. He was afraid to move around in the light of the day because he was afraid of an enemy that could see him and because he did not believe that God would help him face that enemy down. And he said to his servants, I will tell you what the Syrians have prepared against us. They know that we are hungry. Therefore, they have gone out of the camp to hide themselves in the open country, thinking when they come out of the city, we shall take them alive and get into the city. The account that follows is an amazing story. That is true because it happened. One man, just one man, maybe a little soldier, with a little faith, steps up and speaks out as he offers a plan that is simple and not very bold, but it is a plan. Now, at times in the church, there are people who have a small little plan. Pastor, I want to do this little thing here. Can I speak to the church about it? They should be able to. Shouldn't they? They should be able to. And share the little plan they have because great things can happen from little plans. He says, let's take five horses that have not died from the famine. So they had to look around for five horses that were still alive, probably skinny horses. He says, if we do nothing, we're going to die like everybody else is dying in the kingdom. So let's do something. Here it is. Verse 13, he says, let us send and see. So the king sent an army of two men on horseback. He could have sent five men like the man suggested. The number five is the number for the Hebrew Torah, the five books of Moses. The man is speaking the word of God in a way. It's a powerfully strong number in the Hebrew mind. No, the king sent two instead of five. Two men on horses to see what happened. Friend, when God's word is rejected because of unbelief, it really only takes two men or two women to turn the tide by simply sharing what they see. God has not called us to greatness as Christians. Now, there are prima domina Christians everywhere. We can all be one if we really focus on ourselves. But God has called us to share what we have seen. Two witnesses share the word of God as they see it and as they experience in their lives. And some people say, Pastor Mike, I don't know how to share my faith. I don't have a clue 
How many of you feel you might be there? It's okay. Raise your hand. Raise them. That's okay. Well, the fact is we're probably a lot of us are there. It's okay. Do you know what you could share that you don't have to power up and prep for? You can share what Jesus has done for you. You can tell the story of God's grace in your life as you became a Christian or right now as you're facing a trial. And the power of your testimony is good enough to save a soul. The Bible says in Revelation 12, 10, 11, in that context, they overcame the dragon by the word of their testimony and the blood of the lamb. So you may not be an expert in the Bible, but you can share what Jesus has done for you. When God's word is rejected because of unbelief, and we live in an age of unbelief, it only takes two to change it. God has called us to be the two, the two witnesses. Verse 14. So they took two mounted men, and the king sent them after the army of the Syrians, saying, Go and see. It's a principle that unbelief leads to cowardice and fear, and so the king sent two instead of five. Two men on horseback pursued the army as far as the Jordan River. That is a distance of about 75 miles as the crow flies. And they found the ground littered with garments, equipment, gold, silver, weapons. And their crazy run back home, they left it all behind. In verse 15, the text says, And the messengers returned and told the king. Now, finally, the news got out that there were lots of plunder to be scooped up. Now, if you knew there was gold outside of Cedar Ridge here, right? Gold ingots, rich apparel, cars that you could take. How many of you would probably go out there and get a little of it? Well, the people of Israel left Samaria. I mean, they were a city under siege. Now they were out there going to the field, scooping up all the plunder. They hadn't even fought a battle. And there it was. And there was food out there too. So now they could feed themselves. Mighty fine fixing in those fields. Verse 16, then the people went out and plundered the camp of the Syrians. So a measure of fine meal was sold for a shekel and two measures of barley for a shekel, according to the word of the Lord. Six to seven dollars for a mighty fine meal. The key expression here in this verse is the phrase, it happened according to the word of the Lord. Friend, God's word was the vital force that turned the tide and ended the famine for good. God's word brought riches they did not have to offset the poverty that was theirs. God's word sent the enemy away in fear so that they could live in peace. God's word fed the people and all those around them who rejected it die of hunger. What made the difference was not the prophet, it was God's word. And that's what will make the difference in our lives too. So what happened to the soldier of unbelief who dismissed as nonsense the word of God through the prophet Elisha? What happened to him? Verse 17. Now the king had appointed the captain on whose hand he leaned to have charge of the gates. And the people trod upon him in the gate so that he died as the man of God had said when the king came down to him. You see, God's word spoke to him too. God's word said, because you don't believe, you will not benefit from the word of God. Because you do not accept the word of God, which is life, you will not not live. The life is in the Son of God and Christ is the Word. And when we reject His Word, we don't have life. And so the Word of God led that man to his final ruin. He would die because you cannot live without the Word. Verse 20 states it plainly. And so it happened to him, for the people trod upon him in the gate and he died. 
Friend, this is a clear statement to all of us that we must live not by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. That must be our life, a devotional life committed to the Bible. God's word through the prophets said it would happen. And then it is recorded plainly that it happened because God said it would happen. There is a cause and effect relationship in God's holy word. God's word made it all happen. There is a creation power operative in God's word. God's word ended the famine. God's word fed the people. God's word replaced their poverty with his riches. God's word removed the enemy far away to another land. And it happened whether the soldier of unbelief believed it or not. And friend, it will happen in your life if you seize the word of God. It happened because God made it so through the power of the word. And in the end, the soldier of unbelief who guarded the city of a pessimistic king and a fearful kingdom died at the gate he guarded. Why? Because unbelief is a fatal kind of attitude for those who seek to live. And conversely so, faith matters for all those who choose to live. Faith in God's word matters for life. So have faith in the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ proclaimed in God's holy word, the Bible, and live. I'd like to end with two well-chosen verses from the Apostle Paul, taken from the book of Romans. We are going through a series on the Romans in our prayer meeting. You are missing it if you're not there. We have educated and informed Bible teachers there, not just your pastor sharing the book of Romans. And this is one of the key verses in that study. Romans 1, 16 and 17. For I am not ashamed of the gospel, the good news. It is the power of God for salvation to everyone has faith. Now, the Greek says the dunamis, the dynamite power of God for salvation to everyone has faith. To the Jew first and also the Greek. For in it the righteousness of God is revealed through faith for faith as it is written. He through faith that is righteous shall live. Friend, faith matters. Faith matters. Thanks for listening today to Reaching Your Heart with Pastor Michael Oxentenko. We are a listener-supported ministry and would love for you to partner with us as we continue to present Christ-centered, biblical truths of Scripture in practical and relevant ways. Call us right now at 888-244-HOPE. That's 888-244-4673. Visit the website reachingyourheart.com to find out more about this ministry, Reaching Your Heart, and Pastor Michael Oxentenko. That's Reaching Your yourheart.com. 888-244-HOPE. That's 888-244-4673. You can donate right there on the website, reachingyourheart.com. 888-244-HOPE. Thanks for listening. And as always, we do pray that God is reaching your heart. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. 
with in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com, salemnow.com.